Oh yeah, we're back. I'm hanging out with uh, Tim Crawford on another episode of the Matt Baxter Show. Tim Crawford uh, is just a you know phenomenal, down to earth, awesome entrepreneur. Uh, he's currently involved in a company called Ten Street, which is solving some of the major headaches, challenges, difficulties in the trucking world and trucking industry through software. Uh, big fan of not only the the work that they're doing, as I have some friends in the industry as well, but also just the way Tim approaches life. Tim's brilliant. Tim's smart, uh, but also down to earth. He's definitely been through uh, what it's like to sort of bootstrap and go through the stresses uh, with a few of his friends saying, hey, you know, let's uh, leave our corporate jobs and let's jump into something bigger and uh, took that leap of faith. And 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 I it sounds like uh, and everything that he's done, he's been very, very thrilled with that decision. So, Tim, thank you for the impact that you have both on the industry as so many people are are employed by the trucking industry, but more important, just the impact you have on lives. So this podcast was awesome, uh, huge fan, and uh, just thank you for all that you do. Uh, I hope everybody enjoys this episode just as much as I did. Tim, thanks for being a guest on this podcast. Hey, really uh, appreciate it. Uh, really yeah, you, the conversation. This is uh, this is gonna be fun. So where in the world are you recording from? Uh, I am actually in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Tulsa, Oklahoma. Is that where you're from? Basically, yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, I'm pretty fired up about this podcast. I think there's uh, a lot of different kind of high level, a lot of different directions. I think we can go with this. But I mean, start with your background. Give me your story. What, what, what led you up to today? Yeah, I mean, a bunch of really happy, uh, happy accidents, uh, <laughs> you know, to, to be a little cliche. So I mean, I have a kind of a strange background. Um, you know, my formal education is in accounting. Um, but fortunately for the accounting profession, I've never actually done any accounting. Um, <laughs> you know, I, uh, I worked as a consultant for a while, a million years ago, um, back when Y2K was a thing, and then went to go to work for one of my clients um, uh, in the late 90s, trying to, to help them around figuring out Y2K and figure out this web thing that they thought was going to catch on. And that's kind of how I got into the, um, into the trucking business where I am today. And Worked in the background screening business uh, for eight years, um, decided I'd had enough fun and was looking for something else and randomly uh, connected with a couple of guys who were starting to do some stuff in, in uh, software uh, focused on trucking. And, you know, one thing led to another and, you know, uh, we bootstrapped the, uh, the business, <coughs> excuse me, in, um, in 06 which makes me feel older every time I say that date. No, um, no, no, no. Wiser. That's all. Yeah. That, that, I appreciate that. I appreciate <laughs> that. And um, yeah, and just have had more success than we deserve, frankly. Um, and so, um, you know, we're, we work with, we do some things we think are kind of interesting. There's about you know, circa 200 folks on the team. Wow. Um, and, and still work with one of my co-founders um, and, and uh, just, Really, really uh, grateful to be here. I, I love it. So let's uh, let's double click on the uh, the, the uh, Y two K conversation. So number one for um, the the younger audience, what was it? Walk me through what it was like um, from your perspective. Was it just like this uh, kind of lurking, exciting transition that was happening? Was it only for? a select, you know, super set of people who were experiencing the, the Y2K movement? Was it everybody? I mean, what, what, what was it sort of like on a day-to-day, week-to-week basis uh, being in the real world as that sort of was all going down? 
Yeah, it was about the polar opposite of exciting. <laughs> uh, you know, so once upon a time, children, computer storage was expensive. Um, and somebody cut corners by saying, hey, we're going to store the, the year um, as two digits, which worked really well from like 1970 to 1999. <laughs> and all of a sudden, hey, that math doesn't work so well. Um, and so the company I was working for at the time, or I went to go work for, um, uh, was a capital L legacy shop. They had uh, massive amounts of Fortran code, um, which if you look up in the, you know, the history museums of coding languages was probably created in the, in the early fifties. Um, and, you know, so they had a problem, you know, uh, that was, Hey, on January 1st, everything in their business was going to shut down if they didn't get everything remediated. Um, and so I kind of help from a project management perspective, you know, try to, to, you know, herd all the cats to say, like, Hey, let's make sure we get all the, the, um, uh, all the places where years were stored in two digits. Hey, get, let's get that remediated and let's figure out how to, uh, make sure that everything's going to work on January 1st. Um, so it was, it was one of those once in a lifetime, just project management, grinded out things that if you get it wrong, the company's going to be out of business. So the, uh, you know, you think about the current times of like, I know, I know it's a little bit different, but you you think about the current times of like the influence of like the crypto market. You think about the NFT market, which uh, another podcast talking about NFTs makes me want to punch myself in the face. But you think about the overall just, uh, audience and how many people are diving into that. Was there any comparison of what's happening today to what was going on in, in, in the type of conversations around Y2K? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, th I think it was similar in terms of the, the number of conversations and the percentage of the dialogue that Y2K uh, took up, the amount of oxygen in the room it consumed. Um, it, was, um, it wasn't like, hey, it's going to be the next big thing. It was a collective forehead slap of, yeah, we should have seen this coming and started this earlier. Um, uh, but it was, hey, um, you know, this big looming event is going to happen. You know, the, the, uh, the date is going to get here whether we want to or not. And how do, we, how do we get ready for it? Because if you think back in time, people really didn't know, well, hey, we had all these, even then, in back in the dark ages, Listed all these computer chips in like water pumping stations and microwave ovens and, you know, VCRs, which were a thing at the time, which of those were going to work or not work, right? So it kind of bled over into the popular culture outside of, you know, the core techie world. Um, and it was, uh, you know, pretty all consuming. And then it ended up being, you know, a, a fizzle and not an event, um, thanks to the work of lots and lots of people. Was uh, what was that New Year's Eve night transition like? It was um, uh, it was very pins and needles. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, you know, you do all the testing, and hey, we thought we had you know remediated remediated everything. We thought we'd gotten it all, but you're like, okay, is it all going to work? I don't know. You know, let's deep sigh, deep, deep breath, deep sigh, uh, wait it out. Like what, at, at what point was it the next day, the next month, the next year? Like when did people be like, oh, we're good. It was pretty quick. I mean, they, the, the only silver lining of something like, yeah, if this doesn't, doesn't work, you know, 
you know, it's just uh, everything's going to stop or uh, is that uh, once you cleared that cliff, you're like, okay, I guess we're okay. Yeah. everything's. Did anything actually happen? I really, really limited. Yeah. Really limited. Most people. Um, it's like the car odometer. You just roll it over a hundred thousand miles. It goes back to zero and it's like, oh, got it. Okay. Good yeah. to know. <laughs> That's amazing. So, all right. So accounting to basically uh, some Y2K consulting, which is just fascinating uh, to now all of a sudden uh, software for trucking. I mean, that's a, that's a, it's a kind of an amazing winding road. So what led you into, sounds like you, you did it with a, a, a co-founder, at least a couple of co-founders. So walk me through what was the sort of initial step into that? What was the problem you solved? What was the, what was kind of the initial point? Yeah. Yeah. So there were four of us who co-founded the business. Um, two of the guys came from a, a kind of serial software startup world and, and they had been driving web traffic, basically running Google campaigns for local businesses, one of which was a local trucking company uh, for looking for drivers. Um, and, and, and the process that they were driving you know, candidates to, into was, was really bad. Um, and so they're like, look, man, there's got to be, I don't know what the software is, but there has to be a software business here. Right? There has to be a better way of doing this. Um, I mean, they were, I mean, it was literally, uh, trying to get drivers on the road to fax in applications or spend an hour on the phone with a recruiter. I mean, it was, it was pretty painful, um, all the way around. And then the other two of us came from this background screening world where we had worked around the trucking industry for, you know, eight years or so. Um, and we're looking for something else to do. Um, and, and the beauty of bootstrapping a business Right, is that you had four people to make happy. So I think our business plan maybe took up the back of one moderately sized envelope. Um, <laughs> That's people say the back of the napkin. Okay, let's go a little bit bigger, but not too big. <laughs> it, was it was a little more formal. That ba- that that back of the envelope would have survived Y two K. I promise you that. <laughs> exactly, it was absolutely bulletproof, and it was like okay. <laughs> Um, yeah, I think we can all pay our mortgages with this. This is more fun than what we're doing today. And let's, let's give it a shot. Um, and, you know, when you bootstrap a business, um, you know, the analogy someone told me one time was, hey, and, and you're, I, I suspect, Matt, right in the middle of this, right? Trying to explain to somebody who hasn't done it. Well, it's kind of like trying to explain a roller coaster. Hey, it's going to be scarier than you, anything I can explain to you. And it's actually, and it's going to be way more fun than anything I can also explain to you. You just kind of have to do it. Yeah. Um, not to, not to mention, not to mention you're paying money to go through this experience and people are going to be like, wait, what? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Which is exactly like bootstrapping. Hey, guess what? You know, um, you know, came home and was talking to my wife and I was like, yeah, we're going to put some money in to sort of fund the business. Oh yeah. We're not going to get a paycheck from the old company anymore. Um, yeah, the new company doesn't have any products or clients or um, or revenue, and yeah, we're not going to be making anything for a while. Um, Got it. I'm in. <laughs> and that was the, the you know light of my life. She was like done. I mean, it was a 30 second conversation. Um, and uh, and it was kudos like, to your wife, by the way, because that is not always the response. I know. Oh, yeah. I mean, I I'm 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 remarkably fortunate to have spent a lot of times. Uh, with entrepreneurs, both men and female, uh, male and female. And um, it's been fast. I mean, the, the, unfortunately, like the, 
divorce rate is super high among entrepreneurs and both sides. And part of it's just because the spouse doesn't always understand the lifestyle and what it truly means to say yes to that question. Now, vice versa, entrepreneurs could do probably a better job of putting their work down and enjoying moments and enjoying family. But it's been, so I mean, kudos to, to her and you guys. That's, that's phenomenal. Oh yeah. I mean, it's, it was, it's been great. And then she, one of our first early products was to, uh, do phone surveys of drivers to see if they were unhappy with their carrier. And I was like, Oh yeah. And by the way, you get to talk to disgruntled drivers all day. Um, <laughs> Just what you want to spend time me. doing is talking to truck drivers who are not happy. We're not happy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, uh, so, all right. Um, you know, the software world and somebody deep rooted in software. So roughly what year is this when you guys start like sort of the, the, the back was, of the envelope? Yeah, this was Oh six. Okay. So, I mean, also interesting time to, to, to get into it. So, uh, walk me through, was the bootstrap approach just like, Hey, we can, we're at a stage in our life that we can at least weather a small storm for a period of time until this gets going. Did you guys ever consider the funding route or is it just, this is, this is how we're going to do it. And that's that. Um, we never really considered the, the funding route. Um, you know, we, we each had enough cash that we thought we could, we could make it work. Uh, and we really, at that point, didn't have any of the things you would need to go the funding route. Um, had no idea what the market was, really had no idea even exactly what we were going to build. Um, we just kind of had a sense for, hey, there's a bunch of problems that, and a bunch of friction here we think we can reduce. Um, and so we just kind of started. Um, and in and, and our time from... So we, we got together, oh, it's probably first of February, mid-February, we started conversations. Um, we had our first product out um, May, March, April or May. Um, and so really focused on micro, micro problems um, and that we could iterate on and deliver really quickly. Um, and, uh, and, and so that was... Um, we were really fortunate in that I don't, I don't think we would have had a prayer of getting anybody to fund this kind of uh, this vague <laughs> intention. You'd be surprised. There's been some bad ideas funded through the years <laughs> and it does not sound like this is a bad idea, but no, I'm, it, it makes sense. I, um, so Tim, a little, little on my background is I, uh, high school, basically middle school, high school, college, I owned a landscaping company and that was very, very much bootstrapped to the point where it was my dad's lawnmower and, you know, every lawn more, Every lawn that you mowed, you added more gas in the tank, and that was pretty much it. And then, you know, you wanted to mow more lawns. You reached a point where you needed more equipment. And you needed somebody, somebody to help you, and that was basically the extent of it. To then flip that switch to going towards, um, you know, an HR tech startup where I didn't even know funding was a thing. I didn't even know taking on investment was a thing until somebody who I got connected with was like, "Oh, well, how are you going to fund this? I'll, I'll, I'll throw some money at this." I was like, "Oh, okay, this world exists." And you know, it's fascinating that number one, the difference in philosophy around bootstrap versus funded companies. And then to take that a step further, um, it's, 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 it's amazing. And it's refreshing to hear you say that because I don't think many people have that attitude that majority of businesses don't really have anything to invest into. And I think so much now, obviously market fluctuation when, when the market's doing really well, there's more cash available for people to take on funds. But I think people obsess over this idea of being a funded startup and a, it's not that glamorous and B it might not even be the right approach or right route for a lot of companies to go. So I, I, I really, really appreciate your perspective on that. It, it, uh, it really worked well for us. 
in that we were able to be um, um, patient for growth, but impatient for uh, profitability. Um, and so we had to do things that made sense for individual clients. So we got our unit economics right in terms of, hey, we solve real problems at reasonable price points. Um, and, and that was great discipline for us. Um, and sometimes, you know, depending on who you end up with, as especially an early stage funding source, um, the incentives don't always align perfectly. Um, uh, and and, the, and if, if you're not really careful, you know, the founders can end up out in the cold, um, you know, with all the downside risk and, and not a huge share of the upside risk or upside possibility. Um, so it worked really well for us. I mean, we, we took on outside capital in, um, uh, in 16. So we went 10 years uh, uh, with just the founder group. Um, you know, it's, 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 you know, to, to pair kind of what the two of us are saying, I, I think so many people glamorize over the, the headline of such and such raise X, Y, Z number. And then you look at your cap table, you're like, Oh, I don't have as much as I thought I did anymore. And I don't have control to, uh, you know, take a quarterly bonus. I have to get that approved. And if they don't want me to take money out, cause they want the money back in the company, I don't really, I can't really make that decision anymore. I mean, it's, it's a fascinating approach. We've we've gotten really fortunate with um, a really, really, really strong network of angels that sort of in total have funded us like like VC backed dollar amounts, but more of an angel approach, which has been really, really fortunate. But um, yeah, it, it changes the uh, it changes the dynamics once you have. But also on top of that, I mean, you guys had the drive towards profit and profitability, which is and, and your pressure is. Let's let's feed ourselves and let's continue to grow this because this is our livelihood. With funding, you have a little bit of a safety net because you know at least for a period of time there's a paycheck no matter what the results are. But then the other side of it is you you kind of have growth at all costs, and if you don't, you're quickly going to get axed. You're going to lose some of your company. You lose your control. I mean, there's obviously pluses and minuses to both. But I, I I've seen some of the downsides of what it's like to be a funded company for sure. Right. Right. So, you know, for you guys, obviously, the, the, the impact is in, in the trucking world. I mean, what a fascinating industry to be in. Um, how do things like, um, whether it's a reality or whether it's just a, a crazy offshoot, things like automa you know, automated trucking, self-driving trucking, you know, some of those things that you see in the market that are sexy, people are throwing tons of money at. But how do you guys, how does that affect your world, change your world, impact, or maybe not at all? Yeah, I th and I think it's one of those that it's, it's about future expectations. I mean, the impact today is is nil essentially. Um, the, the funny thing is, so we went through another funding uh, a transaction, a funding process uh, this last year, and got asked this question a ton by a bunch of really smart people. And we we dusted off and the work we had done in sixteen and refreshed. You know, we obviously keep a really close eye on it. <clears throat> and the funny thing was. If you look at the press coverage that was out in 16, when we went through our first funding process, and you just did a find and replace on the dates and some of the names, the press coverage was all basically the same um, from 16 to 21. Um, and so uh, the autonomous technology, <coughs> excuse me, uh, is continuing to get better. We'll continue to, to get there. And, and someday it will, it will be uh, really, really effective. Um, we think that day is probably going to be farther off, 
Um, you know, uh, one of the uh, founders of a company called Starsky, uh, who was one of the first autonomous ones, did a great write-up when they went bankrupt of why autonomous is really, really hard and much harder than people think. Um, and, and so we think it's going to be farther off. And we think when it gets here, I mean, uh, um, I think there's really, uh, there's, a, there's a societal kind of ethical question of, hey, do you really want a large piece of equipment with uh, many, many thousands of pounds of cargo without a human in it? I mean, we don't when it's a, a plane. Planes essentially fly themselves today and they're still pilots. Um, it's not even uh, autonomous with a train, right? Um, you know, trains are totally autonomous. But there's still people in the in the engine driving the train or managing the train. And so um, I think, you know, um, I don't see any prospects on the horizon for um, uh, trucks without drivers. Um, and I think the job of a driver changes. There's lots of things that a driver does that aren't like operating the vehicle, right? Um, uh, that uh, are going to be really hard to, to, to automate. And so it's one of those kind of watchful, watchful uh, waiting kind of things more than anything else for us. Yeah, it's, um, it's, it's, it's an interesting perspective here to say that I've got a friend and I won't name the company he works at, but he's on the data analysis team for a large, you know, car automation and self-driving car company. And, uh, one of the most common, so, uh, the science and the technology behind self-driving cars is like here and it's really strong, obviously. One of the most common times an error happens while the self-driving car actually happens because of reflections of other things. So there are supposedly in some of the, the coding, the most amount of errors happen from things like driving. If, if, you're, if you're a self-driving car, the car next to you, a white car versus a black car and the reflections off of a black car might have a stronger negative impact on the self-driving car than a red car might be. And so it's been fascinating to see how some of those things pan out. But then when you add, you know, humans for the sake of humans, but when you add a human to it, you know, oh, that's a reflection. That's not something coming at me or whatever it may be. So it's just been, it's been a fascinating path uh, to follow. And then, I mean, you know, this world more, more, far more than I do, but you think about the impact of what the trucking industry is to that you know, U.S. economy, the amount of people, the employment, I mean, how many people are involved in that that world. Something like self-driving is, yes, disruptive, but the impact, it probably is a lot longer and further out than what we think it is. Right, right. So for for you, with obviously the context of this business and then, you know, beyond whether it's, whether it's in this business and what you guys are trying to accomplish broader than what you're doing day to day, and then also just for who Tim is, what's kind of the, what's kind of the next big thing for you guys? Yeah, I mean, we're super excited about, you know, where we can continue to grow um, and, um, you know, and, and what are the possibilities, both in terms of uh, carriers that that we're not working with today and new products that we can we can build and new markets we can enter. I mean, we just uh, there's a lot of things around sort of the trucking space that we think make a ton of sense to plug into our platform or to extend our platform to include that we think creates more value, has the opportunity to create more value for both drivers and carriers. And so we're, 
you know, um, really jazzed over, hey, what, what can the next three to five years hold for us? I love it. I love it. So, Tim, thinking beyond just kind of the work context, um, what is uh, what is what is sort of driving you to do what you what you do? So obviously from, you know, an accounting background and, and the numbers uh, to the y, Y2K and your involvement in helping companies in that space to obviously the, the awesome business that you've built. What's sort of the driving force behind, you know, everything that you're doing? Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, selfishly, uh, and there's, there's two things, right? One, um, I really like to solve problems like, that, you know, I'm a, um, fascinated by what, what we can do with our product, um, how we can make our product more useful to the different groups of people that we work with, you know, drivers, carriers, uh, people in between. And I think there's lots of, you know, lots of sources of friction. I mean, our, our whole, I tell people like our whole product development methodology is try to find processes that suck and make them suck a little less. <laughs> what is it? The, uh, the really good developers are just out here to make their, or they're, they're, they're by nature lazy. And so they're just trying to make their lazy life better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a ton of wisdom in that. And so, I mean, I think that's one thing. And then the other thing for me that's interesting is, um, we've been really, really fortunate in uh, sort of the people that, that uh, are on our team. And so, and, you know, I you know, have a lot of fun interacting uh, with the folks on our team to go do those, do that next thing. Um, and, um, you know, when we look back at, hey, what are the, the best product innovations, the, the best, the most impactful things we've built as a group? And the interesting thing is um, you can't look at any one feature or product or what have you and, and name, oh, that was so-and-so's idea. That was something that that one singular person did. It's this collision of all these different perspectives um, that came up with something that none of us could have done individually um, that makes it really, really fun to go, okay, hey, we're going to go. Um, it's not just, hey, what's in my head? It's okay. Um, what's in my head and what's in about, you know, a whole bunch of other people's heads to put together and go, oh yeah, let's, let's see what comes out of that process um, and what gets created. Um, I, I, I read a metaphor one time around creativity and they're like, yeah, creativity isn't like, um, you know, those fans that you unfold. Uh, oh yeah, of course. Yeah. And they said, it's not like the unfolding of the fan, like the idea is already there and you just have to unfold it. Like it's just a, a series of steps you have to go through. No, no, it's, 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 it's fundamentally different that you don't know what it is you're going to create um, until you actually go through the process of creating it. Um, and, and that to me, I find really, really uh, fun and, uh, and love to dive into that stuff. Yeah, it's, um, you know, in, in a one degree removed from that, but it all is kind of based on the same principle. One of my life mentors is uh, an athletic director and I had him as a professor. Um, and, he, you know, his famous quote was uh, intentions minus actions equals squat. And the premise around it was people have a lot of really, really good ideas. But if you don't do anything about it, you don't really get anywhere. But even deeper than that, like majority of people who have an impact or majority of people who are doing really cool stuff you don't just sit and sort of conjure and come up with a good idea and start it. You might start with an idea somewhere, but majority of good things, majority of uh, 
progress comes from just taking a step, even if it's right or wrong. And sounds like similar to what you're applying of like, you want to be a creative person. Well, creative person is not just sitting there thinking all the time. A creative person is taking the pencil and drawing the first line. And that first line says, okay, let's, let's expand upon that. Let's, and I'm using a dumb metaphor of drawing, but like some, there, there's such an expansion around in order to be a good creator, you have to create. And that involves taking that first step. Exactly. Right. Um, uh, it, it couldn't, couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. And part of that is, I mean, inherently, you know, uh, a little scary, right? You know, the idea of... Um, oh, it's way easier said than done, to be clear. <laughs> you know, your, your first versions are always pretty bad. I mean, um, uh, I always, I, I collect quotes a little bit and I heard somebody say one time, like, if you're, uh, uh, if you're not embarrassed by your first version, you ship too late. Um, and, and there's a ton of uh, wisdom, I think, in that of... Um, you just you you just got to be able to push the button, you know, commit the merge request, um, push it out to production. Um, you know, you don't want to be reckless, but you you can't uh, you can't wait for it to be perfect. You know? Yep, that's you just, right. You just got to go. You just got to go. I love it. Um, Tim, what is it? Uh, my favorite question on the planet and kind of the driving force behind the podcast is uh, what gets you out of bed in the morning. So so what you know, at the end of the day, when the alarm clock goes off or maybe not what is it what what is it that uh what is it that gets you out of bed in the morning yeah yeah great question um you know and i there's this notion that i read in a book one time about the difference between finite and infinite games um in a finite game you play to win and an infinite game you play for the joy of playing right Hmm. um and uh and i think of you know, uh, what I do is in, is an infinite game, right? It's not like, Hey, I want to get to the next milestone and be, you know, if we can just get to, to X, you know, X clients or X folks on the team or X revenue dollars, and then we're done. Right. Uh, it's really, Hey, what's, it's the joy of the game, you know, um, is, is what gets me out of bed in the morning. Like when I think about here, we're going to build this next product, we're going to solve this next problem. Uh, we're going to this new market, whatever it happens to be. Um, it's, there's a, uh, a sense of fulfillment. I think that comes with that. I love that. I love that. So for Tim, uh, Tim, for anybody that wants to, uh, follow along with the work that you guys have going on and follow along with your company, um, what's the best way for them to either get a hold of you, uh, learn more about you guys or get in touch with you? Yeah, great. I mean, um, uh, company website is 10 street.com T E N S T R E E T.com. Uh, anybody wants to connect with me, I'm happy to uh, just reach out to me on uh, LinkedIn or uh, Tim at 10 streetcom I love that. Tim, thank you so much for being a guest on this podcast. No, it's been a lot of fun, Matt. Really appreciate it. You just listened to an amazing episode on the Matt Baxter Show. It had nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with the guests that I have and the stories that we get to tell and the smack talking we get to have. So if you enjoyed this episode or any of the other episodes that you've listened to, feel free to su- subscribe on Apple Music, Spotify, or anywhere else you get your podcast. Check us out at themattbaxtershow.com. You can also follow me on Instagram at Matt C. Baxter, Twitter, 
or Facebook as well too. Uh, I'd love to hear from you, whether it's through an email on the website or whether it's through any of the social platforms. I do my best to get back to people as soon as I can. But thank you again for listening. I hope you enjoy. Feel free to send feedback in any way and don't be afraid to share the Map Action Show. We're very excited to have you as a listener and hope you continue to listen as well. Thanks a ton. Bye-bye. <music>